That wasn't loud enough. Perfect. What's up, everybody? This is the Console Crusade Podcast, where a podcast talks about retro video games. What else we talk about? I was asking you, Nick. I was definitely asking you what else we talk about, because I blanked. You didn't introduce me. I didn't, but I was going to get there. I just needed someone to answer me. What do we talk about? We talk about video game news and shit, and today, we're talking about a bunch of video games neither of us played this year. Anyway, I'm EJ Olson. This is Nick Durheim. This is a podcast. Let's do it! Well, thank you. That was that was a great intro. <laughs> I'm really proud of that intro. I think that might be our top our top ten. Don't you mean? Type it. We had a good pregnant pause and then some crosstalk and then <laughs> we got right into an awkward conversation about it. So I'm gonna we I'm gonna full circle. Edit this up. Make it make it sing. Make it scream. <laughs> Gonna be pretty. Oh, great. So expect this podcast in the new year. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, Game Awards coming up. Talk to me. Tell me what the Game Awards are. If you're familiar with Jeff Keighley, he did the the Video Game Awards on Spike TV, and it was kind of a big deal a few years back. But then that all fell apart, so now he just does the Game Awards. Spike TV, dude. <laughs> dude, Spike TV, hell yeah. But now the, video, the, the Game Awards is just the same exact thing, pretty much. They just have a bunch of people from different gaming outlets like GameSpot, IGN, Kotaku, Polygon, anything you could probably imagine. And they just get a consensus vote on nominations and then they vote on those nominations for different categories similar to what you'd get with like the oscars or the emmys grammys all that kind of stuff but the game awards while you know being fine for what they are i think we care more than anybody else really cares this is more of a uh, a big weird ceremony where everyone gets to kind of stroke their ego for a second but then it's really about game trailers and announcements and new content reveals and all this other crap like the, the awards kind of get shoved out to the side during the actual presentation well yeah just like any other award ceremony it's just a big jerk fest you know everyone's just masturbating furiously do you even know what the academy awards are i mean it's just insider people being like this is my favorite but at, at least when you watch the awards it's about the awards and who's winning them well yeah same with the game awards the game i just feel like last year when i watched like it was like trailers and announcements and commercials and then one really cool concert from the dude who did the doom soundtrack but i don't actually remember anybody getting an award except for maybe boogie but i don't know if that was the game awards yeah that was boogie right most yeah that was yeah boogie was last year yeah um that's the only award i can actually remember and i sat and watched the entire stream <laughs> i remember you were asleep and i remember messaging and be like oh my god dude like with a guy what's his name the composer for doom I couldn't tell you. Okay. Oh, uh, he's really great. He's done a lot of stuff, but it was just him and a DJ and a drummer, dude, just going full on gin. I mean, you've seen it since then. Yeah. It was the drummer from Periphery. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. That would have made it so much cooler if I had known that. Well, I mean, you didn't know that, so it didn't really detract from your feelings about it. This is true. I had a, I remember just messaging you like, Nick, wake the fuck up. Game Awards. No, I think they do the whole like trailer dump as kind of a, a reason for the average Joe to check in. Yeah, sure. There's like Twitch has kind of gotten a lot bigger over the past few years, but I don't think they have nearly the same exposure as they did when they were on a network, you know, right. on Spike TV. That actually meant something as far as advertising goes. And with like the Oscars, that's like the same thing. It's the here are the movies that you should watch. Here are the games that you should play. I mean, it's just 
It's all advertising. Everything is advertising. I don't know if you recognize that, but that's just <laughs> the truth of the matter. Everything. And you hate advertising, Nick. Famously so. You don't want to be sold. You don't need to be sold on something, right? I don't, I don't know if I've ever really taken a stance against advertising. I feel like you're putting words in my mouth, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> Whenever we talk about movie trailers specifically, or even video game trailers, we talked about it with The Last of Us trailer, about how you think trailers are stupid because they're advertisements. They're stupid because nobody should be hyped about an advertisement. <laughs> if anything, I said I don't need to be sold on something more. Like I don't need to watch a Star Wars trailer to know that I'm going to watch Star Wars. Fair enough. Uh, well, let's jump into the awards here. We're starting with the cream of the crop brother game of the year the big bounty yeah so let's let's i'll I'll go through and quickly read what the nominees are and then let's break down what we want to win or we our personal game of the year and then what we think is gonna probably take it yeah this is for game of the year you know the actual the actual one (laughs) yeah so the nominees for game of the year breath of the wild of course super mario odyssey which strikes me as strange but we'll get there PUBG. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, Persona 5, and Horizon Zero Dawn. That's a solid list of games, but I feel like kind of limited here. I feel like we had a couple of other really big releases that uh, not seen any love on here. Did, South, did the last South Park game get any Game of the Year buzz when that came out? Uh, Stick of Truth? Yeah. I don't think so. I probably got, same as Fracture of a Whole, got a nomination for Best RPG, maybe. Okay. I don't know. It seems weird to me that Super Mario Odyssey is on here, to be honest. I get the hype and it's like Nintendo and I mean, does it, does it make sense to be one of five nominees for like the best game of the year? I mean, if you got to consider just based on purely by reviews and the people reviewing them being the ones that are nominating the, the games for these categories, like Super Mario Odyssey got a lot of tens, has a really high Metacritic score. So it's like universally loved. So it makes a lot of sense that it'd be on that list. I think without a doubt, Breath of the Wild will take this. I just find it hard to believe. I think a lot of people have been wondering if Odyssey is going to come in and like cannibalize Zelda's chance of taking the award, and it's going to go to PUBG or something like that. But I think you're you have issues if you think Super Mario Odyssey is a better game than Breath of the Wild, right? Or am I being a dick about that? I think it's different types of games for different types of people. Mario is definitely much more approachable. You know, your little brother could play Mario. I don't know if he'd really get that much fun out of Zelda in the same way. Well, I can tell you for a fact that he did not like Odyssey. Thought it was boring, but he spent a lot of time shooting arrows in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> a lot of time. Well, I'm sorry your brother's stupid. But <laughs> oh, oh, called out! Daniel, if you're listening, when you eventually listen to this podcast, <laughs> can you imagine him, like, in 10, 12 years as an adult, like, listening back to this and be like, what the hell? <laughs> In, in loving memory of you, <laughs> Daniel, the eight-year-old. No, man. No, I mean, hey, I don't blame him. Breath of the Wild is... I had a better time with that anyway. Yeah, and I, I agree that I think Breath of the Wild will probably take it, and it's probably my choice for Game of the Year. But it is interesting to see Player in those Battlegrounds, a game that is still in early access, being nominated. And the fact that it's just a clone of, as far as what I've seen, of of sort of a trend of these weird third-person action survival simulators where you just run around killing people. It seems it seems strange to me because in this in the same vein as, as like, what was it, H1Z1? And what was the other big one that was big in the news a couple of years ago? It's all in the same tier of, of games, correct? And they're all in early access. I mean, this is more focused on the 
battle royale kind of element, the one versus 100 kind of aspects, whereas the other survival, the, you know, the stereotypical Steam survival game that's forever in early access, like Rust or, Day, or Days Gone, not Days Gone, DayZ. DayZ, H1Z1, ju- yeah. Rust, Ark Survival Evolved. Like, those are all, like, the same game. They're all just, like, Unreal Engine asset flips that you can play forever but not actually accomplish anything. But PUBG, it makes a lot of sense because it kind of captured a, a cultural zeitgeist, if you will. I mean, the game sold like 30 million copies on Steam. It's broken Dota 2's concurrence records. It's obscene how many people were playing it. But I mean, that doesn't that doesn't make it the best game of the year. But obviously, it captured enough people's attentions and had this like huge following to it and has a huge following. It hasn't even come out to consoles, but that's going to be coming out in like a couple weeks. It's going to come to Xbox. One of the things that I was thinking of when when going through these nominees and th- and thinking about because I don't think I mean despite PUBG's popularity there's no way it's a better game than any game on this list. Uh but it's important to the conversation, it's important to the direction video games are headed, it's important to like right. like you said it's like the zeitgeist. So it's a cool nod in that regard. Sure. I think it deserves it more so than Persona 5 does. Persona 5 seems like a really weird inclusion on this list for Game of the Year. I think it was sort of a niche experience, despite how, I mean, it sold well. It sold well enough, and it had a lot of hype. Yeah, it did so well. But again, this is one of those games that every single reviewer played, and it, you know, it got unanimously praised, so it's kind of like, like you said with, with Mario, everyone who's voting on Game of the Year played this game, and it was... You know, one of the best reviewed games of the year and one of the most hyped games of the year. I don't necessarily think that every person at an outlet played Persona 5. I think there's at least one person who's into JRPGs at each outlet that was totally just at at bat for this game, like really wanted it to be on game of the year lists. And that's why it made it there. But in the end, I don't think it's going to get the kind of support that any of the other games on the list will. I think it makes the most sense. PUBG has a better chance of getting Game of the Year than Persona 5 does. That sounds right to me. It'll definitely win individual lists as well, but maybe not an industry-wide kind of collaboration like this is. So I think we're both in agreement that Breath of the Wild is probably going to take it at the awards. Yes. But if, if Mario Odyssey does eat into Breath of the Wild's votes and kind of split the Nintendo vote... See, I don't think it's a Nintendo vote because you could say that Horizon Zero Dawn and Persona 5 might split the Sony vote. <laughs> I don't know. I think if you're looking at it and someone is like, I mean, there's a whole set of people who are going to just vote. Like, oh, Nintendo finally has something on this list. Like, they're going to vote Nintendo. Which one do you vote for? I think a lot of the other three are going to get ignored in a lot of circles. Just completely ignored. No one's going to look at Horizon Zero Dawn and say, oh, that was a better game than Breath of the Wild. Even though it probably was in almost every way. Um, it's, it's just the Nintendo... The Nintendo factor. I don't know. I think it'll be Zelda. Uh, of this list, that's definitely my game of the year. But certainly not my favorite game I played this year. But of this list. Yeah, and like I've said before, I think that Zelda is going to stick around longer as like a, a, a marking of just like 2017, you think of Zelda. Yeah, but I wonder if, how much of that is just like the media narrative. Like if I had it, honestly, when it, we, we talked about this on the last podcast, I still don't really see what aspect of Zelda was revolutionary? What, how much of that game is going to leak into other games? Like there are a few aspects, but again, it wasn't something that I think Zelda originated or even pioneered. It was just one of the many elements that made that game what it was. 
and the Zelda skin made everyone freak out over it. So I don't I don't think it's going to change the direction of open world games by any means. But but yeah, 2017, you're right. It's you know this game loomed for years, and then it you know when it finally came out, not only with the unanimous reviews and it being the highest rated game of all time, quote unquote, and then like the Jim Sterling drama giving it a bad review, and it just like the whole the media cycle perpetuated and and we're still talking about it it's november yeah exactly so take that for what it's worth uh let's move on to best game direction what is their spiel on this because i don't know exactly what that means based on the title alone <laughs> so the spiel i don't think is really gonna help oh great uh, anymore so game, of the, game of the year part two <laughs> right awarded to a game studio for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design so it's basically game of the year award runner-up but it's different nominees so maybe yeah it's closer to like best director versus best picture except there's two for nintendo epd for mario and zelda right right game direction awards the nominees are wolfenstein 2 resident evil 7 biohazard didn't even know that we were on resident evil 7 already yeah dude seven god man breath of the wild again mario again and horizon zero dawn again what do you think this is like a consolation prize. Like, sorry, your game wasn't good enough, but we really liked it anyway. Right. <laughs> so in that respect, I feel like there's a good chance that it could be like given to Wolfenstein or Resident Evil. Yeah. I wonder if people will look at it that way or if they'll just look at the other two and give it to one of those as literally a consolation prize. Like, oh, I really love Mario. but Breath of the Wild is better. Oh, I can vote for Mario here. Is the right. Runner. Or if like Zelda wins or like, but Horizon did a lot of really great things too. Yeah. One of those things, which I think that's probably more likely, but it's interesting to see Resident Evil and Wolfenstein on this list where I've heard a lot of heaping praise as far as the direction, like the category suggests, but also problems with the the game design in general where, oh, the last third of the game was kind of bad or, oh, I wish the level design was better, like purely just gameplay related things. Sure. I honestly don't think Wolfenstein 2 or Resident Evil have a chance in this category. I think that it'll be Horizon Zero done. We'll t- uh, they'll take this. Uh, I mean, dude, giant robot dinosaurs, badass female protagonists, and, you know. And the DLC just came out. It's People are talking about it. Recency bias. Exactly. Resident Evil came out in, like, January. Yeah. And Wolfenstein 2 got drowned out by Assassin's Creed and Mario, so I don't know if enough people played it to get a grasp on it. Exactly. Although, what I've seen from Wolfenstein 2, I mean, it looks just ridiculous. The, I mean, the last one was fun uh and and people loved it and this one also reviewed really well that was a good tuesday was it a tuesday everything came dropped like i mean that, that was was it a friday okay albums come out on tuesdays well games used to come out primarily on tuesdays but it's recently it's been more so on fridays okay yeah wolfenstein you're 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 killing nazis and there's a i mean the whole steampunk you know alternate universe sort of thing is is interesting to me uh, alternate universe alt history i guess whatever mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what wins what, and then especially with the context of a lot of these games are not nominated just once. Right. So like in the next category, we've got Wolfenstein again and Horizon Zero Dawn yet again. We're going to see a lot of the same names. I wonder how many times some of these games will repeat or if if the voters will keep that in mind and you're going to see best game direction. Like, I don't think Mario had a better game. Like, game direction so vague. Outstanding creative vision and innovation. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, like, but ba- I mean, if you want to talk strictly based on on game design and and not world building, but I mean, world building is not the word, but you know what I'm saying when I say that, right? Like 
direction. Yeah, I mean, it's like so literally vague. like what a director does in a yeah. movie. Like he's not the one doing the cinematography. He's not the one who's writing the script. But he's the one that's putting it all together. Sure. <laughs> so the way everything is put together, I think that's how I would kind of read into it. But at the same time, I've only played two of these games in this list because I'm a bad gamer. I think people are going to make a case for Mario Odyssey. You know, based on the fact, I mean, it's a platformer, it's colorful, it's a return to form for Mario, and it's the first 3D Mario game we've had in how many years? I think this will probably take this category, to be honest. You say, you've thought that about several games in this category at this point. I, I <laughs> think one. <laughs> I think Mario, now that I'm thinking about it, I would vote Horizon Zero Dawn, based on what I've played and seen about it. Yeah, I'd vote it, but I think Mario's going to take it as kind of a consolation prize, so... Yeah, I think it might be between those two because I think Game of the Year is definitely going to be Zelda and then this is going to be the second place. Yeah. Pretty much. Hey, man, how cool would it be, though, just after the last five years we've endured with the Wii U, which we we said on the last pod we were going to talk about this week, about we're going to do a little Wii U retrospective, but we'll do that next week, whatever. Uh, a Wii eulogy, as it were. A Wii eulogy, precisely. It's cool that Nintendo is back here. The Switch is, is one of the, you know, I think Time's top 10 influential pieces of tech this year or whatever that that list was and yeah i mean fluff pieces i mean you saw similar things with that uh that adobe thing talking about sought after items for black friday and switch was on there but it's not not didn't even have a price cut or anything no no bundles that actually saved you money it's still a hot item yeah it's crazy how i mean people wanted it and people bought it and it was available and they're, they're still available so that's either does that mean nintendo's doing a good job of of keeping their production numbers up or does it mean that it's not as hot as people think and they're still sitting on shelves? I don't know. I like to think that it's Nintendo just being good. Yeah. That's why I'm putting Nintendo switch down for best narrative, best narrative man for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. Okay. I think we both will have a little bit of say here. Okay. So here are the nominees. What remains of Edith Finch, which I have never heard of. It's a giant sparrow and, uh, an Annapurna interactive published game. Same guys who did the unfinished Swan. I've never heard of this game. I know nothing about this game. I watched Andrew play uh, unfinished Swan and what remains of Edith Finch. I've seen some gameplay stuff from like giant bomb. It's a, a walking sim kind of a cool conceit though, where like all walking sims, you're going through a house, but each time you go into a separate room, you play this little vignette of a person and this person's extended family, like family tree. And experience what killed them but it's kind of like this mix of like horror with well not really horror but it's kind of eerie and then like magical realism so early on in the game there's a part where you have this vignette where it's a first person view of you as a little boy and you're swinging and you're swinging further and further forward and you're trying to swing all the way around because that's what you do when you're trying to swing you want to go all the way around the swing set but then like I think the kid like flies off and then like hits his head on the ground and dies or something. But it's each time it's just like weird little slice of life moment things that happen to these, these family members and how they all died and the family's cursed and this house is haunted dish. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. It's got a cool art style to it. So very narrative driven game. You think enough people played it? Uh, I think it's got enough cachet with the, the game's journalist types. I don't know if it, takes it over the other games on this list, which I don't think you've even named yet. Do you want to go through the, the five of them yet? Yeah, let's keep running through. Uh, Nier Automata, <laughs> which you've played. Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. Mm-hmm. There's another game I haven't played. Wolfenstein 2 again, and Horizon Zero Dawn again. So Nier Automata, I watched a little bit of a playthrough when it this game was first getting the hype. 
Uh, and so I, I don't really know anything about the narrative. I was just watching little bits and pieces from, from a Let's Play. You've been playing it, and we talked about it a pot or two ago, and you were kind yeah. of breaking down how some of the mechanics work, and, and I guess you haven't played the other games on this list, but how does this game narrative hold up to, to other games you've played? Do you think this is a worthy inclusion? Yeah, I think it's got a, a pretty interesting narrative. It reminds me a lot of sci-fi, cyberpunk anime stuff. Right. I don't know. It's not like groundbreaking. It's nothing new or special, but I mean, I don't really think a lot of stories are. So I don't know if that's going to be a knock against it. I mean, I think what remains of Edith Finch is kind of derivative in certain ways too. Wolfenstein. It's what if Nazis, right? Horizon Zero Dawn is the same thing. It's like, Oh, the future and there's robots and what are people and philosophy. That's doing it a disservice, man. But I mean, just totally just watered down, right? I mean, I'm, t- I'm just taking everything at face value. I said Wolfenstein is what if Nazis? You're not going to give me shit about that. That's a game that from everything I've seen, you aren't getting intimate with these characters. You're just laser facing Nazis. Well, that's 100% the opposite of what I've heard. <laughs> is that People don't like the gameplay. They don't like the laser facing the Nazis. They like the moments they have with the characters that they're interacting with. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess I've been talking to the wrong people. Yeah, so I mean... The wrong person, rather. One person I know has played this game. You have to know the person who's playing it to understand their viewpoint on it. And then Hellblade, I haven't played, but I've heard fairly positive things about what it does with portraying this woman who's going through this Norse hell to retrieve her lover. But she's this like Irish or Gaelic warrior and just like the motion capture stuff I've seen from it, it's a really like stunning game. It has a really cool visual style to it and the stuff they do with sound. And they even have like FMV kind of things in there, which is like, well, this is kind of weird. But that kind of enhances the effect they're going for. Right. Which is this woman who's like schizophrenic or schizotypal and she's having hallucinations and auditory hallucinations. So, I mean, that's kind of, it's, it has a lot of interesting bits to it. It's a game I'd want to, I want to, rent or check out i wait for a steam sale yeah i think i'd want to play it on pc but it's also on ps4 and i could probably like rent it right. that way dude have you ever rented a video game from a red box just as an aside here <laughs> uh, i didn't but i was with sam when he rented uh call of duty i think it was uh, black ops 3 yeah and it turned out that it was a dragon ball z dvd huh that someone had like scanned the call of duty disc and then printed out a piece of paper and glued it on so that the red box would like scan it back in and be like, yeah, you brought the game back. Oh, God, what a <laughs> but dick. It, was, it wasn't even a real Dragon Ball Z DVD. It was like a burned one. <laughs> oh, really? Like, did he peel the Call of Duty st- uh, like fake ass sticker off and it was just like a Sharpie on the fucking DVD? Like name a CD burning brand. I can't think of any, but it was like that. Did he pop it in and watch the DVD at least? Well, he put it on the PS4 and like he, I remember him noticing that the paper was like, this is like kind of shoddy, but I don't know how Redbox, if they have like good quality prints on their, on their discs or what. Right. But he was like, this is kind of crappy. And he put it in the, the PS4 and then it loaded up a movie and we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> so he looked at it and it was just a, a Dragon Ball Z burned DVD. God. So like classic, like 2005 <laughs> style. Oh, you're irritating. I've never... Rented from a red box, but I'm tempted to with something like Star Wars Battlefront where I don't want to give my 60 or 80 hard earned dollars, but hey, I'll go rent it for a couple days. You know, I'll spend three bucks on it. Give it a, sh- uh, a try. Yeah. I was thinking about uh, trying out Gamefly to 
get myself some experience with games that I wouldn't necessarily shell out full price for. I, I would do Gamefly in a heartbeat based on everything I've I've read. Uh, if I had time to play games like I, I used to. Right. I was about to say that you don't really have enough time to dedicate to the games you actually own anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. I know we're, we're going off the rails a little bit, but today... Actually, a little bit. Right before we got on the phone or on the, uh, the old Skype, I was in my garage finally unpacking the rest of the boxes when I moved back in June. I moved in June, yeah? My whole collection, all my video games, and I'm going through meticulously and making a keep pile and a sell pile. My keep pile is probably 5% of my collection. <sighs> 12 years, 13 years of collecting video games and video game paraphernalia and ephemera. ephemera. <laughs> <laughs> nice! Uh, yeah, it's all it's all going bye-bye. And it, it's heartbreaking to a degree, but it's just part of growing up and moving on and realizing I don't have time for a lot of this stuff. You know, and I'm going through my, my boxes and I'm like, so many of these games I haven't played. Well, I haven't, especially haven't completed, but, you know, you buy them saying, oh, I really want to play this game. I'll get to it. Well, now I own it. Well, it's like, am I ever going to get to it? You know, in the current year, do you have to own physical copies of your fucking game? I mean, come on. You know, I'm just... Yeah, just throw away, throw away every NES game and SNES game at the very least. Throw don't away. Don't even sell them. Yeah, don't no, even throw bad, them. Just like put bad, them in bad, the garbage. Bad. My Super Nintendo collection is going to pay my rent this month. So I am going to not throw them in the trash. And then you can just hack your SNES classic and put all the ones you actually want on there. That's, uh, that is quite the idea. It's something I've considered. But anyway, back to the Game Awards Best Narrative. I think, Nick... In my not-so-humble, not-so-professional opinion that Horizon Zero Dawn is going to win this because of the reasons I mentioned before. Strong female protagonist that everyone loves and fucking robot dinosaurs. This will probably take... We'll probably take it just because it's the biggest game on the list. You know, I don't think tiny games like Edith Finch are going to start creeping up quite yet. You know, not the third category, right? Mm, I mean, I don't know if this is, like, ordered by billing. Like, if this is going to be the third-to-last game shown but i think there's a fairly good chance that some dark horse contenders could take best narrative i mean it's just it's just the narrative i'm sure horizon's got six other nominations further down the list and i don't know what it's like what uh what remains or hellblade uh what other nominations they have so there's a chance i mean if i were one who was voting in the game awards i would try to keep each category fairly distinct unless it was like oh yeah this is a standout winner yeah, but the games have been so good this year, and the categories are pretty stacked. That I would I would lean more towards a variety than saying, "Oh, okay, yeah, Zelda wins every single one." Right? I don't know, man. That, that's kind of I think what you end up seeing with awards like this. You see that when it's like a dry year, but this has been a, a fantastic year for games. <laughs> not sales wise, a lot of great games have come out, but not a lot of people buying them. I don't know. That depends on what your expectations are for sales. Let's just look at the sequels and look at how they sold comparatively to their predecessors, which are only a year or two old. I don't know. Assassin's Creed sold really well this year. Uh, Call of Duty sold better than Infinite Warfare did last year. Shadow of War, I'm not sure if how that did compare to Shadow of Mordor, but that's also different because Mordor came out on Xbox 360 and PS3. So kind of, it splits the vote. Destiny 2 is the best-selling game of the year, and it came out two months ago. Ubisoft had great sales with Ghost Recon Wildlands and For Honor, and even continuing sales with uh, Rainbow Six Siege. I don't know. I've heard nothing but good things about for sales this year, except for like you know when Square Enix is like, you know, 
Final Fantasy 15 didn't sell 30 million copies, so that's a bit of a disappointment. Or Capcom's like, you know, Resident Evil 7 didn't sell three times as much as Resident Evil 6, so that's a bit of a disappointment. <laughs> Which is just like, come on, just have realistic expectations. Y'all sound like idiots. I'm looking at things like, um, you know, I'm trying to actually find what I was literally just reading, yes, like last night when I was going to bed. And I mentioned sequels, because there was like four sequels on the list that came out this year or like late last year. That are, the sales are down, you know, as much as 50%. And it blew me away. I'll find that. We can bring it up at the end of the pod. But, and maybe I was delirious with sleep. Maybe they were talking about specifically physical game sales, but I don't think that was the case. I think they were talking, because I know they'd brought up Titanfall 2, and I know that game sold like shit. So I, I'm thinking it was game sales, not physical game sales. But I'll, I'll find that. We can bring it up later. But, uh, so, so what do you think is going to win this category? For narrative? Yeah. I think Wolfenstein will take it. You think? Yeah. Are you just is that just a, a stab in the dark? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I feel like any one of these. This is a good nomination list. Any of these games would would I would be okay with winning best narrative. Maybe not what remains, just because I'm biased against Walking Sims. Sure. But everything else in the list, I'm like, yeah, this is really cool. I definitely agree. But Aloy is my girl, and I'm going Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, but again, it, I, any of these could win, and, and I'm not going to shed a tear over it. Okay, ooh, here we go. This is this is going to be tough. This is going to be a tough. good one. <laughs> I know my I know my my pick, but uh, as do I. Best art direction for outstanding creative and/or technical achievement in artistic design and animation. This is a broad category, right? Creative and/or technical achievement in design or animation. That's really broad. There's definitely one. There's definitely one on here that. The, the thing you think about is the art direction, though. So oh, read the read the read the contestants, the the nominations. Okay, Destiny Two, Breath of the Wild, Persona Five, Horizon Zero Dawn, and I think the fucking winner, Cuphead. <laughs> yeah, Cuphead, easy. I mean, you can make a small case for Persona Five just because it has a lot of style with the the way everything is displayed and kind of it looks like an anime. But it it doesn't hold a it doesn't hold a cup up to Cuphead. Hey, yeah, Cuphead is a game that I've had my eye on for years. Uh, I have yet to play it, just based on how hard I heard it was. I, I knew I, I don't have time for this game. It's not a game. <laughs> You're not good at games either. <laughs> I'm not bad at games. I just am not good at them. <laughs> That's what you said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like you know, I can I can kill a game like Super Meat Boy. It just takes me a little bit longer than you. You know what I mean? And I like games like that. It's just they're few and far between. Not only the time I have to dedicate to them, but the, you know, I, I, I want to play games for a sense of pride and accomplishment. And I don't mean that ironically or sarcastically, but um, I want to feel, you know, uh, accomplished. But I also want to escape and have fun. And a lot of the times, really difficult games, like games like Super Meat Boy. I really love that game, but I just can't go back to it because it's so frustrating. I'm not having a good time half the time. So it's defeating the purpose of of playing the game, I feel like. Yeah, hard doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be rewarding, but the games I found the most rewarding are the harder games. It just sure. has to feel fair. Yeah. And from everything I've heard about Cuphead is that it's a extremely fair game, but if you mess up, it's you're you're done, you know, you got to start over. So, it could be a game I could be really into, but I'm also not into shooters of that type. I've never been a fan of like Contra or anything along those lines. Bullet hell, you know. the bullet hell kind of. So I, I would have to try it. It looks really cool. I'd watch a stream, but that's not really <laughs> that's not really a glowing review on my part either. Right. So, but it looks 
fantastic. Really, truly. Exceptionally beautiful with that. Uh, I can't remember the the studio that they're kind of directly aping, but it's like the old 20s and 30s kind of Walt Disney. I think it was Fleischer? Fleischer? I'm not sure. That did like the Betty Boop cartoons. Right. But it's directly inspired by that. You know, I think if you want to talk technical achievement, I think Horizon Zero Dawn did a lot of really cool things. It's it's a gorgeous looking game. It's one of the best looking games on PS4. Right. Uh, Destiny 2. You know, I, I don't think it's much of a step up from the first Destiny game. And that came out on the last generation consoles, which had been out for 10 years. So, yeah, I couldn't tell the difference. If, I, if you gave me two screenshots, I wouldn't be able to be like, oh, that's that one's Destiny 2. Uh, no, no, certainly not. Uh, the only differentiating aspect might be the HUD. You know what I mean? Like Destiny 2 looks better than Destiny. Like Splatoon 2 looks better than Splatoon. Well, I guess it depends on which versions you're comparing. But yeah, it's basically just a it's a big DLC pack, right? Destiny right. 2. Uh, here's I, I do want to talk about this briefly. And to be fair, I also think that Breath of the Wild is a great looking game. It's very beautiful. I, I'm just a sucker for cell shading, though. I'm also a sucker for cell shading. I, I love it not only because it holds up better, but there's something a little more fantastic about it. I'm not necessarily jumping into a world uh, uh, of realism to escape, right? I want mm. something fantastic and that can instill in me that sense of wonder again. That's why one of my favorite games ever is Wind Waker. And that's a game that'll always hold up visually. Right. Uh, especially now that we have a full HD port of it or a remake of it, rather. It's always going to look good. And Breath of the Wild is always going to look good to a degree. In a way that, like, Skyward Sword looks like crap. Skyward Sword looks good if you play it in a higher resolution. That's, I think, still up for debate. I, I That game I thought looked like crap when it came out. Was that 2009? 2011? 2011. 2011. Yeah. Uh, and I think it looks even worse now. I'm sure higher resolution, like, it helps. But it's just, it's, it's, it's a gross-looking game to me. Breath of the Wild, it was going to hold up. And it was, in its own right, a beautiful game. But I, I, I don't really care for the art direction. I thought a lot of it was very bland and brown in a lot of ways. Like the character models I loved. But the world was very bland to me in a lot of ways. And it was very samey wherever you went. I thought all the locations had a really cool, distinct kind of variety to them. Like if you go on the... If you're on Death Mountain, you're on Death Mountain. If you're in the, the Farron Woods, that like jungle setting, everything's got that green kind of... You're into the jungle. I mean, you got rainstorms and... Everything looks like cohesive. Same with the the Zora domain. All the different locations all have visually distinctive kind of qualifiers to them. Whereas if I look at a screenshot of like Horizon Zero Dawn, I, I wouldn't be able to. I haven't played that game enough to be able to be like, oh, that's this location. But it's all like sure, samey in a different way. Again, that's a product of having spent 140 hours in the game, 153 hours or whatever. You know, you get a little, sometimes you get fatigued. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't a fan of Look at Breath of the Wild before it came out when they were doing the E3 tour and or the they did the E3 and then they did uh, where else did they showcase Breath of the Wild before release? There was another uh, there was another big event that they they showcased it. They showed it more at Game Awards last year. Yeah, uh, it, you know it. I, I think it's a beautiful looking game in its own right, but it's I certainly don't want my other games to look like that. Like it's, it's something that worked for Zelda. Um, I, I don't think it should win this category. But I could see it. I could see it taking it. Honestly, I could see yeah, it winning. I understand the nomination, but I don't think it, it it stands a chance against Cuphead or even Persona Five. I almost wonder if people are going to look at Cuphead and just say that oh, it's almost a gimmick. It'd be kind of a cop out almost. No, no, that's no, no chance. That that's not winning. Hundred percent. I will 
I don't know what I would bet, but I would bet something that Cuphead's winning Art Direction. I'm I'm rooting for it. Everything I've watched, man, I'm in love with the the way that game looks. Okay, uh, this okay. Let's move on to the next category. This is going to be tough. Weird. This one has six nominations, so there was there was a tie somewhere. <laughs> oh boy. So best score slash music. Okay, this is tough. This is really tough. I think Breath of the Wild score was garbage. No, okay, sorry, forgive me. It wasn't garbage. The songs that are there are. <laughs> As good as anything else in Zelda, but it was the utilization of the soundtrack and the way that it fit into the puzzle piece that was the bigger picture, the, the greater game. It was not good. It was, I think, terribly utilized. I know I think we, we probably disagree on this, but probably that was my biggest disappointment <laughs> in that game. Like when it, when when you get the score right, when the score kicks in in a, in a, in a poignant moment, or some just you're randomly exploring and finally there's some music that kind of pops up, like good moments. It, it kind of almost made it even sweeter when you did get it, but coming from the rest of the Zelda games in the, in this franchise, it that was my biggest disappointment about the game outside of the weapon system. No, yeah, I don't, I don't think it should win either. But I do really like the way the music was utilized in this game because, like you mentioned, it really emphasizes the moments where there is music that it's like, oh, this is different. You kind of get used to just the environmental noises and the the barrenness of exploring out in the wild. But like, as soon as you're in a town, you get background music. As soon as you're having a, a, an enemy encounter, as soon as you're being chased by a guardian and the piano kicks in, you're like, Oh God, <laughs> right. <laughs> you got a laser pointing at you. And then there's a piano. just dun, 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 dun. You know, you freak out. Or the first time I saw a dragon and that like cool little musical note hits like that, that stuff is memorable to me more so than, Oh, what was the overworld theme in this Zelda game? So I, I appreciate it for what it did, but I understand your your distaste with the the starkness of not having music for a, a majority of your playtime. Yeah, no, I think when it when it is there, you know, and even it's funny, I can go back and open that game and you hear some of those sounds, and I even already I have a little bit of nostalgia for it, dude. Yeah, seriously, me too. Just from just from the trailer and when the main theme played the first time, like that was that was that was a powerful moment for me. Yeah. Music hits me, man. Yeah, that was Game Awards last year too. <laughs> Well, you should probably list the other the other games because you've only talked you've only mentioned Zelda. <laughs> I'm sorry, I do this you need to list the games first okay. before you start talking about individual ones. <laughs> the other nominees: Destiny Two, Cuphead, Near Automata, Super Mario Odyssey, and Persona Five. <laughs> and also, quick aside: there's another category that's best audio design right after this one. So you see a little bit of uh, bleed over and kind of having distinction between which had better music and which had better utilization of that music and other sound elements and audio design. Right. Ooh. So as far as score music, I think persona five is going to win. I have no context for this. I don't. So I'm going to take your, take your word for it here. I mean, I think, yeah, I think persona five is going to win. That's a soundtrack that people seek out. That's like a game that people buy the soundtrack for. Right. Uh, but I think my pick, Oh man, it's tough because I really liked the songs in Nier Automata. And I also really, really like the songs in Super Mario Odyssey. Like I could listen to the Wooded Kingdom track for the rest of my life. That is an all time. <laughs> that is an all time Mario like song at this point for me. Okay. I have similar feelings for the Luncheon Kingdom with the, the mandolin playing in the town square and just the, the main Mario theme where you're in the Cascade Kingdom. Like that's, there's just a lot of really cool music in Mario. Mario's, it's always got great music, but I think Mario Odyssey 
stands out in a way that it hasn't really stood out since Galaxy. Okay. But dude, Nier. Nier has some really, really great music. And Nier and Mario both do this thing, which I guess you could classify as audio design more so than music. But Nier, when you're doing the second playthrough and you're doing these hacking minigames, it has this seamless transition from the background music into an 8-bit version of it. Yeah. Just like Mario has when you're going flat. Like that that stuff, that gets me. That's a that's an easy win for me. This is tough for me. Destiny 2, I don't think I like the soundtrack more than the first game. They went in a different direction with it. Uh, and you notice it right away when you hop in. But it is one of the things that a lot of people really enjoyed about it and that a lot of reviewers specifically mentioned was the different composer they brought in and, and the differences in the score and how it impacted their experience. What, Like I said, well, I'm not a, a huge fan of it, not at least through my couple hours in the game. I haven't gone back to that game yet, but uh, it's a little more... How do I describe it? It's a little more theatrical in some ways, not only in its sort of the feel, uh, but also its implementation, like where the score kicks in and, you know, at what moments. I almost feel like it's on here by default, right? Like it's just, it's here because it kind of has to be big space epic. Like, yeah, I don't know why it's on there. I've never, whenever I hear anybody talk about Destiny, they never once talk about the music. It's always about how the guns feel or hanging out with friends. Yeah. So I don't know how it makes it on, how it even made this list, especially when there's six, so clearly something tied. Well, like I said... Like, I, I would have to imagine that it was Destiny tied with, like, Legend of Zelda. It is one of the things that people mentioned in the reviews for Destiny 2 this time around. The score got brought up a lot. Minor aside here, both Destiny and Legend of Zelda are nominated for Best Audio Design, so it's like there are three games that are on both these lists. Right. <laughs> it's like... You don't need to be on both, but whatever. I think Cuphead, again, is very interesting, not only because... You know, it's kind of a. What's weird to think of a video game is a period piece, right? But it's it's got this twenties aesthetic, and the and the music's you know, uh, no different. So I think it's the most unique. It's the most interesting to me. I, I don't think it'll win. Yeah, it does have interesting music. Have you ever listened to any of the the songs in Cuphead? Yeah, I, like I said, I've watched a few different playthroughs, and that's yeah, really cool. Like I think it's on Spotify, but it's just they hired a jazz band to write a twenties period piece, basically, like you said. And that's really interesting. I think that. Cuphead has a, a a chance, yeah, of coming ahead of like Persona or Near, or even Mario. But I think the two that definitely aren't going to win are Destiny Two and and Breath of the Wild. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't be upset. Again, I don't know anything about Persona if it won, so be it. Because I'm not terribly attached to Mario Odyssey. I'm not attached to any of these, so I don't really necessarily care who wins. I think they're all probably. I'll be upset if Breath of the Wild wins, because then it, then it's just like okay, we've got a bunch of Zelda stands voting here. But Mario, I don't think the music, I, I didn't listen to it and say, oh, I hate this. But it, I also didn't think about it once, really, while I played. You play mostly handheld? I split about 50-50, but I usually play the sound. Because I know you don't, you don't have the sound on when you play, when you play handheld. <laughs> well, not, it's, if I'm with somebody, I, I don't. Like at your house, I don't turn the sound on, right, when we're playing together. Because I always find that annoying when other people do it. Not always, mm -hmm. but, so I never do it. But when I'm home alone, yeah, I'll do it. I'll sit in bed. I actually have a pair of headphones sitting next to my bed, so when I play i can plug them in and not bother my girlfriend so i usually played with sound but nothing I, I couldn't hum a single song from that game that's that's more my fault than the game's fault probably but it's honestly i have fonder memories of 3d worlds music you're you're you guys nick's yeah. bobbing his head right now he's he's humming <laughs> something to himself <laughs> yeah dude, hell yeah it gets me i love the wooded kingdom song Hell yeah, man. Well, I think, uh, God, what do I think is going to win? Ooh, ooh. I'm going to go Mario on this. I think Mario's going to win. Oh, really? I think Mario will win. Just 
I think I keep saying I think I think I think I think I think it does have great songs and I don't know if you unlocked it but once you beat the game there's like a uh well actually you might even get it before but I think it's after you beat the game there's a a sound test option where you can play any level with any song you want okay Very cool. and you unlock different tracks via doing challenges and stuff right let's move on then to best audio design yeah, we gotta start making these quicker because we've spent way too long on each of these. Well, I told <laughs> we you this was gonna happen. Any of them? <laughs> I told I told you this is gonna happen, and that we should record tomorrow with a little bit of extra time. But anyway, whatever we can we can always record part two tomorrow and then just smush them together post. Yeah, we can do two episodes this week. Anyway, best audio oh, design God. recognizing the best in-game audio and sound design. Okay, Destiny Two, Hellblade, Resident Evil Seven, Breath of the Wild, and Super Mario Odyssey. I'm gonna kick this off by saying Breath of the Wild should win hands down. I think Hellblade's going to win. Really? Yeah, because that is a focus of the game, is the the sound design. Everybody I've ever heard talk about the game recommends either playing it in surround sound or with headphones on, because that is an integral part of the experience. Okay. Whereas Zelda, it's like just a cool thing. I I can't disagree with that, because I don't know anything about Hell, Hellblade. Yeah, me either. I mean, that's just, I'm basing my my guess on who I think is going to win. Yeah. Based purely off of that. Out of all the games on this list I've played, all two of them. I would agree with you that Zelda is, has better audio design than than Mario, or more notable audio design. Mario sounds and plays like a Mario game. Yeah, Breath of the Wild sounds like Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I would say Destiny. The sound design is a very underrated aspect of of that game. What it does. And, oh, totally. You know, it, it's. I mean, it's a sci-fi shooter. Like the sound design is crucial. But Zelda, because we mentioned how how few moments there are with the score all your time is spent utterly quiet the the world's sounds you know carry you through 150 hours of gameplay and so i think it's even more important you know there's no cop out there's no nothing to cover up some of these moments it's like it's just you and the world and it felt despite it being cell shaded despite it being a low resolution full of jaggies despite it whatever like it was so easy to get lost because it it felt so real. And I think a lot of that is because of the sound design. Yeah, it was very immersive in the sound design. Yeah. So that's my vote, certainly over Odyssey. Uh, obviously, I don't know anything about Hellblade, but... And even Resident Evil 7, I have I watched Andrew and I watched my buddy Brennan play it. The sound design, again, that's that's another crucial element of that game. Yeah, especially for horror. So your, your pick is going to be Hellblade then? Hellblade, but I also would not be surprised if Breath of the Wild pulled it either. Yeah, I should be keeping track of our picks here. Maybe I'll do that after the fact so we can do a follow-up pod. Uh, I'm 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 gonna go with Breath of the Wild on this one. So, all right, here we go. Best performance awarded to an individual for uh, voiceover acting, motion, and/or performance capture. Kind of an interesting category, I think. It's really cool because you're actually recognizing the talent behind these games uh, uh, specifically. Well, it's the talent in front of the games, also. Well, yeah, like they don't they don't have a, a best programmer, right? so it's just kind of a it's it's a weird like here's a person that you can actually put a, a voice or a face to so it makes a lot of sense but it's like i don't know it's also having a best you can't be the best performer in a game that nobody likes so it is still kind of self-serving in a lot of that's the reason why you have a lot of the same games in all these categories yeah um i think it's cool just because you know for a lot of people the story and how you navigate that and how you experience that. That's the most important aspect of a game for a lot of people. The characters. Uh, and these are people who brought those characters to life. So we've got uh, Melina Jurgens from Hellblade. She plays Senua in Hellblade. 
uh, Laura Bailey, who played Nadine Ross in Uncharted, The Lost Legacy. We've got Claudia Black, who played Chloe Frazier from Uncharted. We've got Brian Bloom, who played BJ uh, Braskowitz. I don't know how to say Braskowitz, that. yeah. Uh, in Wolfenstein 2. And Ashley Birch, who played Aloy, uh, my girl. So I'm assuming you're going Ashley Birch. Uh, yeah. That's me just because it's the only game on this list I've played. Yeah, I was going to ask, you've played Uncharted. Have you, you've played the other Uncharted games though, right? Yes, sir. So those characters, you're, you're familiar with the characters at least. Yes, sir. So that gives you, a, I don't know, a somewhat fair assessment. Gives you an idea of what the, the idea behind those characters is. I mean, you don't have the ex- exact context of the Lost Legacy. Right. As a DLC slash standalone kind of thing. They are, I, I want to say they're great. Like, they did their job. Like, they didn't stand out to me. I wasn't like, oh my goodness, that that actor was phenomenal, right? I rarely do that in video games. Right. I can think of a few right. a few times where I've, I've thought to myself, wow, this person is killing, you know, Cade 6 in Destiny. Uh, Nathan Fillion, I think, does his voice. Maybe. Yeah. Is it Nathan Fillion? Yeah, yeah it's Nathan Fillion. I mean, he just is phenomenal in that role. Uh, you know, a couple of voices in The Witcher that really stood out to me. Uh, certainly not Geralt by any means, but... Well, you didn't like Geralt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my name's Geralt. I'm a witcher. You're a witcher, Ari. <laughs> God, no. Yeah, his performance is like all-time garbage. For a guy who's got... Hundreds of hours of, of voiceover lines. It's just terrible. Yeah, that poor guy. Uh, that, that poor man drank a lot of a lot of tea. Right. In the, in the booth for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely going to Ashley Birch for Aloy. And I think that's who's probably going to win because she's probably the biggest character on this list from any of these games. I'm thinking that it's either going to be Brian Bloom for his performance as BJ or it's going to be Melina Jurgens for her performance as Senua. Okay. Mostly because... Melina Jurgens has a really cool story behind how she got the role. Like she is on the team at Ninja Theory. Like she was, I don't know what her job was, but she was like a filler for the role, like doing like motion capture kind of stuff to like test things. But then they liked her so much that she became Senua and like the motion capture. It's, it's her. Like if you look at the, the picture in the game awards, the little profile picture, it's her like in her performance capture makeup and everything. Right. And it's just, that's just a really cool kind of story. They didn't like hire anybody. It was just like, oh, you're, you're Senua. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I always uh, appreciate a story like that. Brian Bloom, I think, for uh, BJ, I think a lot of people have commented on his running commentary and his sense of defeat and lack of purpose and drive as being a really uh, motivating story for the, the main character to be having. Okay. As opposed to your usual kind of quippy main character that you get a lot of a lot of triple a right third person action games you know so being like a beaten down kind of like am i doing the right thing kind of character can be refreshing depending on the the context right uh let me just kind of kind of uh go off the rails with this speculation but based on how liberal the games media the, the climate right now and a lot of these people uh, mm. In that industry, and sort of the the SJ dub, the nature of a lot of these people. I would be shocked if the only male on this list got voted, despite a performance. Again, I don't know his performance. I haven't seen his performance, but I would be absolutely shocked if you have four women nominated and, and this guy wins, given the people voting. That is an interesting perspective. I didn't think of it that way. I was thinking you're going to go along the lines of, 
rewarding the character who's killing all the Nazis. Oh, because no. Because that also, that also holds merit <laughs> yeah. in the same kind of circle. Oh, my God. And then same with Hellblade, where it's a woman dealing with uh, mental illness. Yeah. So it's just a lot of kind of inclusionary stuff, which I think is, you know, I'm fine with that. It's cool. Yeah. But knowing the people who are voting kind of gives you perspective into what's probably going to win. Uh, probably. I don't know. Well, at least we it won't know till December 6th. Right. Uh, at least what's probably not going to win. Again, I think if if this guy wins for uh, Wolfenstein, there are going to be a lot of pe- I mean, it's going to become a controversy. It'll be a 24 hour controversy. Twitter will blow yeah, up. It'll be, it. it'll be a, it'll be a polygon story. hundred percent. 10 minutes. hundred <laughs> percent. They already have it Which written. Like, they already have yeah. it written, dude. <laughs> like they have to plug in the winners, right? Yeah. They have an algorithm that writes it. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to games for impact for a thought provoking game with a profound pro social meaning or message. Speaking of SJWs, <laughs> right? I don't see any Nazi laser face here. What's going on? Okay. No, but this is a uh, best walking simulator. <laughs> okay uh, i haven't touched which i mean that's totally fine i mean people use it as a pejorative and i'm kind of dismissive of the game because those games because there's not a lot to them but for what they're accomplishing i'm plenty of games journalists like them so there's a there's a reason why there's a category right last year it was like games for change and that was when uh that dragon cancer won yeah which is you know that's definitely a very personal game yeah. I, mean, I think we even talked about it on a podcast that probably never came out, but more than likely. Let's see. We got Please Knock on My Door by Laval Games, Night in the Woods, it's Infinite Fall, Life is Strange Before the Storm, that's a Deck Nine, a Deck Nine Square uh, NX joint. I honestly did not know that Life is Strange had a sequel that came out this year. Mm-hmm. Shocking. Cool. Uh, Bury Me, My Love, that's a Pixel Hunt Figs, Figs Art. Other people played, made this, I guess. The hell is that? <laughs> Figs, RT, Pladius. My goodness. Uh, what Remains of Edith Finch again and Hellblade again. I have no context for, for any of these. Uh, I do. I have the first Life is Strange. And, you know, you said people use, you know, Walking Simulator as a pejorative. And it's sort of a, you know, and you dismiss these games. As someone who enjoys a good story in a video game, something that will captivate me, especially small experiences like Walking Sims. You're usually two hours, you're in, you're out. Um, it's a good experience for $15 or what the hell ever. You know, last year, that Dragon Cancer won. And even though I don't think it was the best game nominated, given the message and, and the personal nature, like you said, you know, that, that game made me legitimately cry. Mm. You know, I, I, I shed a couple of tears, you know, and, and, and appreciated what it wanted to tell, despite it being not even a particularly good walking sim. Like, like you think of games like Firewatch or Life is Strange or whatever, like it wasn't even particularly good, but it, but the narrative was and, and what the game wanted to do uh, is very right. emotional. And so I appreciate these kind of games, but not for everybody. So uh, that being said, I don't know who, what the fuck any of these games are. I don't know who's going to win. I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about please knock on my door or bury my, bury me my love, but I don't think life is strange is going to win. Night in the woods has a, a fair chance. Hellblade has a pretty good chance. Yeah, I think I think Hellblade probably is the most likely to win just based on the amount of people who've played them. Right. I don't I don't know who all I mean, someone played them because they got nominated, clearly. And not to disparage them based on my not hearing of them, but I don't know enough about these games to know what their impact is or what they're trying to accomplish narratively based on like what they're trying to say. Right. What the message they're trying to get across. So 
I think Hellblade, based on purely things I've heard of, is probably going to win. I'm going to be right there with you. Hellblade. Let's get on to a category that we could talk about for an hour, probably. Why is this a category? Uh, it's, I, who, that's who a good cares question. About, okay, best ongoing game. So best game that might not have come out this year, but two of them did. Right. But also, this is a yearly game award show. So why why does this category exist? This is, it, the stupid, this is the second stupidest category on the list. The second stupidest. Yeah, it doesn't make a yeah. lot of sense. So the, the, the nominees for this is Warframe, which is basically... Just a crappier free-to-play Destiny. People who play Warframe would fucking flip if they heard me say that, but no one listens to this podcast actually plays that game. I I have played it, mind you. So for context, someone who's sunk hundreds of hours into Destiny, I've also played Warframe. Yeah, it's made leaps and bounds as far as becoming a better game over the past three years also. Yeah. That was one of the games, you know, I, I think I downloaded initially on PS4, I want to say. Hmm. I played it on PC in like 2013 or 2014. Yeah. And it was kind of kind of janky and hard to get into. It didn't have a lot of onboarding, but I had a friend who was really, really into it. So I tried it out and then didn't really catch me, but I kind of got it. I kind of understood yeah. what was appealing. Uh, let's uh, get through these. Rainbow Six Siege, Overwatch, uh, GTA Online, Destiny 2, and PUBG. So this is a tough category because I would say if you want to talk culturally relevant right now, PUBG, PUBG is is the biggest game on this list. It's It came out this year. Yeah, I mean, it's biggest as far as recency, but Grand Theft Auto Online, I think, is probably the biggest as far as pure player count. Really? But also, I can, I do not think that uh, anybody who's voting on these games has played Grand Theft Auto Online in the past three years. Right. So, I think over, I think PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds has the best chance of getting this. Uh, Overwatch or Destiny 2 also have good chances. Yeah, I would say, I mean... The best games on this list are Destiny and Overwatch. Uh, GTA Online is, is great for what it is, but again, it's it's old and, and it's it, why is it on this fucking list? Warframe, like that's cool that they're getting they're getting notice, I guess. Why is this category on this list? Right, it doesn't make sense. If you were asked what the best ongoing games were, I'm sure you would have mentioned Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, based purely on well, what's something a lot of people play? Right. <laughs> well, my personal vote is going to be Destiny in a heartbeat. Uh, even though I haven't played much of Destiny 2, it's the same fucking game as Destiny 1, essentially, from what I have played. But Yeah, why isn't Destiny on this list? I mean, that's an ongoing game, right? <laughs> it's, it's a good play. Why isn't Final Fantasy 14 on here? Right? Uh, no, uh, dude, PUBG's going to win, right? PUBG's going to take this category? Yeah, unless it's on another category that it makes more sense. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's it. PUBG. Okay. Yeah. okay. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This is interesting. Best mobile game. We got Fire Emblem Heroes, Super Mario Run, Old Man's Journey, Monument Valley 2, and Hidden Folks. Having only played two of these games, I'm going to cast my vote for Fire Emblem Heroes, but I think Super Mario Run will probably win. Mm. What do you think? I don't know if enough people actually liked Super Mario Run for it to, to make that. I feel like Monument Valley 2 has a good has a good shot. It's definitely going to be one of the two or the three that we have not played, right? Yeah. Yeah, most likely. I mean, if this would Animal Crossing would have come out a little bit sooner, I might have that might have made it. <laughs> I'm shocked by how many people are playing that game. People who who've never played Animal Crossing and who don't play video games at all, really. It's it's kind of like a, a an isolated version of Pokemon Go, the Pokemon Go phenomena, where I'm seeing bit, yeah all, all these people hop on the hop on the Animal Crossing train, and that's cool. I mean, that's cool, man. That's, that's 
That's to be commended. Fire Emblem Heroes, well, I barely touch the game. I have some friends who this is all they do when they are not at home is play this right. fucking game. It is, it's got a pretty niche audience, but the people who play it are hardcore about it because it's a, it's a quality game. Very competently put together. Yeah. A very, from what I played, the very minimal uh, I played. Yeah. It captured what makes Fire Emblem good on a mobile screen. That's, that's really cool. And that's got the, the gotcha loot box gambling elements that keeps people spending that, that sweet, sweet cheddar. Right. It's probably not going to be either of those two. Super Mario Run really was surrounded by some serious controversy uh, between the, the the asking price and the amount the of always content. Online. The always on. Yeah, all the different things. It was, like most of it was negative outside of Nintendo voice chat, right? A lot of the press was was pretty negative. I think it was a really great game. Like if we're talking just just the game itself, this was a really fucking awesome attempt at a a, a, a Mario mobile game yeah it's probably the the best one button mario game you could possibly come up with yeah but you have to take everything else into consideration and that really sullied it in a lot of people's eyes including my own yeah the ten dollars makes it makes it a hard sell yeah it's gonna be one of these other three i I don't have i'm gonna vote mario run but it's gonna be one of these other other three that i've never played or heard of i'm guessing monument valley based purely on the fact that i've heard of it right all right (laughs) okay here we go this is this is where it gets a little more interesting best handheld game Okay, so handheld game, it's Metroid. It, it, without you don't a doubt. have to list the other ones. You yeah. don't have to list the other ones. No, you don't. It's funny. These are all 3DS games. Well, what other handheld games came out this year? Well, Nintendo Switch games, those don't count as handheld games, or they count as console first? People aren't counting it. I mean, if they're <laughs> not going to put it in this year, like it's not going to ever be a thing. Otherwise, it would just be best Switch game. No one else is making handheld games. If you have a distinction between handheld and mobile, then it's just, what's the best Nintendo game? Right. <laughs> so the, the, the nominees are Poochie and Yoshi's Willy World. Half-ass port from the Wii U. Monster Hunter Stories, 10 people played that game. Ever Oasis, 7 people played that game. Fire Emblem Echo Shadow of Valencia, great game. 4 people played it. No, it actually sold pretty well. I mean, it sold relatively well. Fire Emblem sells pretty well, yeah. Yeah. I think po- uh, Pucci and Yoshi did pretty well, too. Did it? Yeah. And from everything I've heard about Monster Hunter Stories, it's that's the best Pokemon game that's come out in the past 15 years. But nobody played so- it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And no one talked about it. It well, kind of came I'm and sure went. plenty of people played it, but nobody wanted to talk about it because it was post-Switch. So 3DS is like, no one wants to talk about 3DS when you have a Switch. Right. Uh, it's definitely Samus Returns. Not only from the surprise announcement in the in the Treehouse event post-E3, but it came out to rave reviews. Despite it being on 3DS, it still has done incredibly well and has sort of, I don't want to say lit a fire under people's asses. People have been clamoring for Metroid forever, but this only reinforced that, hey, Nintendo can still produce quality Metroid shit, despite it having been dead for a decade. Yeah, it's not Federation Force. Right. Although, you know what? Half of the Nintendo group that we text back and forth, and they play that game, and they really enjoy it. All right. Well, I can't. I can't defend Leaf. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Metroid Samus Returns. That's Yeah, that's the winner. All right. Best VR AR game. Super Hot VR, Star Trek Bridge Crew, Lone Echo, Echo Arena, Farpoint, and Resident Evil 7. <sighs> That's kind of tough. I feel like it's either going to be Super Hot or Resident Evil 7. Yep. I'm thinking the exact same thing. Super Hot, I actually heard a lot about. This was a lot. This came out a while ago, though. This came out almost a year ago, didn't it? Yeah, I believe it came out December last year. Okay. Yeah. So. so and Resident Evil came out January this year? Yeah. January, February. Yeah, January. So Resident Evil would could win based on the merit that it's the full game playable in VR. Right. So that's like a really cool thing. 
super hot VR, I think, has a chance based on it's a very good VR game and it's a different version than the the regular super hot. Right. Like they actually made a, a full experience tailored around the VR. So I think that uh, lends it some some credit also. Super hot, I think, has a chance, but I'm going to go Resident Evil 7 again just because it is the full game. And for a game based on the sort of walking around, stalking around, creepily looking for clues, discovering things, you know, pregnanted by those moments of, of, of intense action, that game is fucking made for VR. I right. just when I watched of it, I would be fucking terrified to put a headset on and headphones and and have to endure any of what I saw. Yeah, I hope that when they sell the game, it comes with like a pack of huggies or something. Right. You'll be shooting your pants playing that game. I'm going to need some some Depends for sure. <laughs> so I'm going Resident Evil 7 as my personal pick and as my official yeah, I, vote. I, I agree. I agree. All right. All right. Best action game. Okay. This is... Oh, jeez. <laughs> this is an interesting category. Well, first off, what the hell's an action game? Okay. So it says here for the best game... In the action genre focused on combat. And so this actually, I think, changes my perspective a little bit. Okay. Because in prior years, what I've noticed from action game was it was best shooter, but they couldn't say that because it would sound bad. <laughs> oh, really? But this, there's two other games that you're not shooting, but you're still, well, one other game and you're not shooting. Yeah. You're stabbing things to death. <laughs> We've got Prey. Not going to win. No. Neo. Destiny 2. Probably not going to win. Right. Eh. Uh, Cuphead and Wolfenstein. I think Wolfenstein takes it. Do you? Yeah. You think that's just a uh, Destiny fatigue, MMO fatigue? I mean, what? What? I, I think Destiny. I mean, this is the best shooter. Like we talked about, uh, Bungie knows how to make a shooter, man. It's it's flawless in execution. Yeah, I think there's a chance that that Destiny wins, but I think also of the people who played Destiny two when it came out, they probably they crashed and burned pretty fast. Whereas Wolfenstein has that recency bias where people are just now getting to it. Yeah. So it's going to be on the tip of people's tongues. So I think that gives it a bit of an edge. When the category, you know, it, it ends with focus on combat. My eyes immediately darted to the picture of Neo. Despite that having been sort of a niche experience. I know it's, it's really difficult from what I've heard. It's the best Dark Souls game that came out this year. <laughs> right. I mean, that's a small list, right? But. Well, it's Neo. <laughs> <laughs> Neo, I think, depending on who's voting, the people who played this game love this game. I just don't think enough people played it. Yeah, that's the problem, right? Like I said, a very niche experience. I'm going to vote Destiny 2 as my personal and my official pick, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if Neo or Wolfenstein took it. That's That could be a close one. Yeah, and the focus on action, a lot of people... I mean, it's not the shooting that people don't like in Wolfenstein. It's more the awareness of where you're being shot at and the kind of arbitrary difficulty spikes that happen oh, okay. no matter what difficulty setting you're playing on it seems like that's uh, some of the big detractors in it so i think that might also play against it so you might be totally right in thinking destiny 2 takes it so i, I don't know i'm kind of split i think they both have equally good shots i'll go with destiny 2 with you okay you, you swayed me you swayed me boy my man so it's 10.30 and we probably are running out of time here. We have still half a list to get through. And this next one I could go all in on. So let's Oh, yeah, because it's another fake genre salad of mix-up things. Right. So, again, best action adventure game. This is not totally vague. For the best action slash adventure game, combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. Okay. 
We've got Uncharted Lost Legacy, Assassin's Creed Origins, Zelda, Mario, and uh, Horizon once again. This is tough, man. This is tough. And not because these are all equally good games, but I think it's tough because so many of these games have shown up so many times already. It's like, okay, if Zelda wins Game of the Year, then it has to win Best Action Adventure Game, right? Or explicitly doesn't because it's already Game of the Year. I don't know. It's tough. I want to do like a... Not a Venn diagram, but I want to see which games are nominated for which categories. It'd be kind of interesting to go by a game by game basis to see some of these games probably are going to win more than one category, right. clearly. But if it's the only game in the category, it's the only category they're in, then I think that gives it a slightly better edge. Okay. So I haven't seen Assassin's Creed on this list at all. I think a lot of people would be upset, though, if Assassin's Creed comes in and wins over any of these games. I mean, that that is the underdog uh, of this category, I think. Oh, this is really tough, but I'm going to go underdog here. I'm going to say Uncharted. I'm not going to go Assassin's Creed, but I'm going to go Uncharted. I think it's going to come out for that. Did you play Lost Legacy? Uh, No, I did not play this one. That would be very interesting if that smaller title kind of swept up and beat out these four powerhouses. By this point, it'll be voter fatigue, depending on, I guess, what order people voted in. But I feel like by by this point, it's... Assuming they they vote all at once. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I know, but it's like if someone's going through and this is the first category they see, they're going to vote for Zelda. 16 categories down, they're probably less inclined to vote for the same thing over and over again. So I feel like if someone got to this as late in the list as we are, you know, Assassin's Creed or Uncharted has a better chance, just like I said, because of voter fatigue. Or they could be going in reverse order. Who knows? We don't know. We don't know. You're assuming an order. I am. That's why <laughs> That's why I, I, I added that caveat. Anyway, I'm going to go Uncharted on this one. I'm going Zelda. Okay. Safe pick, safe pick. Because uh, traversal and puzzle solving, that's like... Right. That's Zelda. <laughs> right, right. I think my my personal pick for best action-adventure game... Oh, my God. I, it's I, Mario, I, right? No, I'd have to go <laughs> Zelda. I'd have to go Zelda, I guess. But I feel like if I had put a little more time on Horizon, I might probably vote for uh, Horizon. But How much time did you spend with Horizon? I saw you holding three copies just a minute ago. <laughs> okay, that's a totally different story. I borrowed. No, I, know. I saw. I saw your Twitter thread. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So if, if you all follow E Jiggle on uh, on social media, you might you might be blessed with that story. Yeah. Or he'll block you. That's the those are the two options. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So I, I spent like two or three hours with it before I had to go back to the real world. But I had a buddy of mine who sat and played it probably four or five nights in a row for hours at a time while I worked. And so I, I peeked over his shoulder, and when he went to the bathroom, I'd go fucking kill a dis- dinosaur and shit. I'm excited to actually get some time with it over the break, I think. Let's move on to best RPG. And we all know what an RPG is. This is a stacked list. Yeah. I, I just have to read the description because it, it tickles me. For the best game designed with rich player character customization and progression, including massively multiplayer experiences. Okay. This is it's tough. It used to be in the 90s and early 2000s, RPGs were a separate entity, but now every single game is an RPG in some way or another. Right. So it's kind of weird that it's even a, a category still. It's getting harder and harder to delineate like what constitutes, like you said, specifically an RPG, a pure RPG. Because I look at something like uh, Nier, and it's got RPG elements. I'd say it's mostly RPG. It's like an action RPG. Same with Final Fantasy Fifteen. It's just your your method of combat is more action-based than it is a strategy kind of turn-based kind of element. Is Final Fantasy XV not a turn-based? Nope. Wow. Totally just open-world action game. Final Fantasy, that's not a franchise I am, or have ever been interested in. 
or involved with in any capacity? It's a big one. There's there's at least 15 of them. <laughs> <laughs> at least. <laughs> My personal pick, I mean, I'm going to go South Park. But this is, a, this is a tough one. I feel like Persona has to win, right? Yeah, I think Persona wins too. But there's also going to be a very vocal kind of crowd that back up Divinity Original Sin 2. Is this an online game? Uh, no, it's a PC game. Oh, okay. The original also came to PS4 and Xbox One. But it's kind of that, not isometric, but kind of that Diablo viewpoint. Yeah. But it's a, it's a really deep game. There are a lot of systems in that game. The, the way it tells the story, depending on which character you choose, like you can choose between six specific characters and there's a, a storyline for each of them. And the characters you don't choose are characters in other character storylines. Like it's just a really complicated, but not convoluted kind of game. Okay. So a lot of people were really, really excited when that came out. And it's not even like a full $60 game, but it has a kind of a triple A kind of polish to it. Well, say I'm on the website right now and this looks like sort of your run-of-the-mill, like, Korean studio-developed, like, uh, rinky-dink sort of experience. Definitely looks like a Diablo clone, just from the screenshots. But nothing, the way you interact with the game is nothing like Diablo. It's okay. more like a turn-based system, but there's mobility aspects involved. So when it's your turn, you have mobility points that you spend, and you use them to do actions like attack with your sword or cast a spell or move behind an opponent. And depending on where you are in relation to your opponent, you might do more damage. There'll be environmental things. Like if they're staying on water, you can electrocute the water and they get electrocuted. Or if they're, if you make them bleed, then you can electrocute the blood or you can freeze them to the blood. Like everything interacts. It's very deep in that aspect. That's some punisher shit right there. You can electrocute the blood of your enemies. Some some death clock metalocalypse. But just from what I've heard, it just sounds like a very rich uh, series. The original Divinity Games, not Original Sin, just kind of like a remake. I don't know if like a new studio bought it, but Divinity's been around for a long time. It's like one of those Ultima era kind of games, I oh, think. Oh, God. Okay. So very long history connected to D&D in, in a lot of ways. Is there a, maybe a potential for this to garner a few more of the votes just based on the fact that it's one of the only pc games on the list yeah that's what i'm saying it's got a potential for it to be like a dark horse victory if if the votes get split on near persona or south park near i really want to get at least one win out of these game awards just because it is a really cool game and i think it deserves it but it's just been overshadowed by so many other games in its respective categories that it's kind of hard for it to find the right place i kind of feel the same way about persona 5 but Persona 5, I think, is a a bigger fan base because it's... Well, I mean, Nier was also PlayStation exclusive for the console, right? Yes, I believe so. But I think Persona has more of a legacy based on how crazy the fan base was for its Vita release. Right. That I think that kind of that adds to it. It also sold really well. I don't know how uh, Nier Automata sold. I think it sold pretty well, too. But I don't know. It's tough. I'm going Persona. I think it's going to go to Persona, yeah. Yeah. All right, best fighting game. For the best uh, game designed pri- uh, primarily around head-to-head combat, we've got Tekken 7, Nidhogg 2, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, Injustice 2, and ARMS. What a goofy list, right? <laughs> yeah, it's very eclectic. It's well-rounded, though. This is a good... I'd never really considered Nidhogg to be a fighting game, but it totally is, isn't it? Upon first inspection, it looks like it, it could almost be a, a beat-em-up. Well, yeah, because it has that side-scrolling kind of element, and there's the mobility involved, but... It's also like screen based, so 
but the way you interact with your opponent and the the method that it's one on one, it's definitely a fighting game. And it's really deep with how you control and have your. I haven't played Nidhogg two, so I don't know how the different weapons kind of feel. But the original Nidhogg was very balanced in that you and your opponent can do the exact same things all the time. Okay, I totally was getting confused as to what Nidhogg was. I remember this game now, playing this quite extensively with you guys. Yeah, the graphics. I'm looking at screenshots of the second one. I thought it was a fucking beat 'em up game. Uh, no, it's okay. Nidhogg, definitely. It's yeah, definitely one versus one. Totally different mechanics and systems than a typical fighting game. You're running, you're gunning, you're dodging, and and back and forth. And like you said, very screen based. I imagine the, the the second one is as good as the first one, just a little more polish. I mean, actual graphics, not just some Atari twenty six hundred ass. Dude, the original game was was beautiful though. It had such style and it translated really well. You were never confused about what was happening. You're just like, oh my god. I just exploded into a pile of pixel blood. But like the second one is definitely more of that kind of gross Genesis SNES third party kind right, of era right. graphics. So I can appreciate that. I oh, looking at this list. It's Injustice 2. It's got to like, be Injustice. Easily. Like it was it was the best fighting game of the year by far. Uh, it blew the first one out of the water, which sequels rarely do. Uh, and they're still getting... You know, I mean, they just announced the, the Turtles DLC, which is so fucking cool. Yo, but Tekken's getting Noctis and Geese. <laughs> <sighs> Tekken was released, what, 14 in arcades? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so it's it's kind of an older game. Not a huge uh, console fan base, I don't think. Uh, you know, MVC was pr- a massive disappointment on, on a lot of counts. Uh, and Nidhogg, I think, is just way too small. Don't even get me started on ARMS. There are people who would argue that it's not even shouldn't even be in a fighting game category, even though it's obviously a fighting game. Yeah, it's clearly a fighting game. Just the casual nature of it. Uh, I don't know. Is Nidhogg too casual to be a fighting game? How does that mean? What does that mean for anything? Well, ask a Tekken 7 fan or an MVC fan to, you know, it's like, is Smash Bros. a fighting game? Well, it's obviously a fighting game, but there's a caveat to that. You look at something like Nidhogg or ARMS, and it's like, they'll they'll want to argue with you, right? Yeah, which I think that's just silly. It's this weird gatekeeping. Right. Like, is Splatoon 2 a shooter? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you shoot. That's that's what you do. But is Metroid a shooter? Well, no. <laughs> Let's get into this. Let's get into <laughs> this, Nick. So, Injustice 2 is going to be the best fighting game. I think it's cool that ARMS kind of gets the shout out, but it's also been... It's been a good year for fighters, but I think next year is going to be better, just on the merit of Dragon Ball Fighters coming out, and that game looks fantastic. That is Z. Did you like ARMS? I know we both played it a little bit. Never really got too deep into it, but people played that because it was kind of the only major release. It was before Splatoon. It was obviously before some of the bigger titles like Mario, whatever, and all these third-party games that have come out. Was it just a product of the the release window that people even played this game? Because I think that the the user base declined pretty rapidly, especially you know a month later. I think Splatoon came out. So I don't know. I like it. I don't love it, but I also kind of feel that way about Splatoon, where I like it, but I'm not like. Oh man, I really have to play every day. I think that's just my relationship to uh, online games in general. Fair enough. And I haven't been in a living situation where I'm playing couch co-op or the same screen multiplayer. Yeah. So like if I have Smash Bros right now, I'm not playing Smash Bros on Wii U online. So that's just how I interact with multiplayer games in that aspect. Hell yeah, man. Well, Injustice 2 from the both of us. That easy. Let's move on. GG easy. Best family game for the best game appropriate for family play. I read that weird. 
irrespective of genre or platform. This is a rough list. This is hard. This is this is a tough <laughs> lift. Uh, a tough lift, Nick. A tough, a tough, a tough lift. A tough lift. <laughs> Splatoon two, Sonic Mania, Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle, Mario Kart eight Deluxe, and Super Mario Odyssey. <laughs> Fuck. That's hard. So best Nintendo game plus Sonic Mania because we wanted to, we wanted to give it something, but we didn't have a category where it would fit. Best Sonic game of 2017. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Sonic Forces. <laughs> so, oh God, man. This is really tough for me. I almost need a minute to make my pick. I can justify my my reasoning here, but uh, what are your thoughts? Oh yeah, I mean, I could, I could justify almost any of these winning. Uh, my like initial thought is Mario Kart, but it's a, just a re-release. Right. It's a port. So I don't know if that's going to affect people's voting. It kind of affects the way I look at it. And Splatoon 2 is also a port. I mean, it's a fucking DLC pack, man. Splatoon 2 is not on any other console, though. Mario Kart 8, what did they add? Uh, they added a battle mode. They added some characters. No new tracks. That's DLC. Yeah, fair enough. So eh. what's your pick? What I mean, what's your personal favorite pick for best family game? I'm trying to get to that point because I don't know. I'm trying to <laughs> talk out my my reasoning. Okay, I don't think it's I don't think it's Mario Rabbids, despite the Rabbids being very kid friendly and well liked. Yeah, because the gameplay itself is a bit more obtuse than what I would want to introduce to a kid just out of hand. But at the same time, it's not like kids are stupid. No, not at all. I played so I played hard games when I was a kid. I played harder games as a kid than I I can now. Yeah, because you have infinite patience when you're kids. Right. <laughs> so that. Totally. I just sunk my own ship on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm taking the multiplayer aspect into consideration. I think Sonic Mania doesn't doesn't win because it's geared more towards nostalgia. Because Sonic games have never been very good. And we're going to make people mad just by saying that. But like that's just my opinion, man. Whatever. Yeah, Sonic games have never been good. The best Sonic game is still a really mediocre platformer. Well, the best Sonic game is the game that you played when you were 10 years old. So dang it. That makes it a family game. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's what I'm thinking. Odyssey, I this is voter fatigue for me. It's out the window. It's a great game, great platformer. It's obviously very family friendly, but I'm just gonna go by way of demonic possession. Like that's not a family oriented theme. But you get to be a Goomba by t- taking it over its very own soul. You are literally possessing it with a demon hat. Goombas don't have souls. And, well, not after you fucking rob them. And 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 I'm waiting for that from software game Goomba Souls. Right. <laughs> Uh, Mario Kart 8 so if I'm just talking personally what what I love the most this year I enjoyed Odyssey fine I just started Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle last night as the time of this recording and I'm in I mean I'm it's fine it it, so far it's fine I'm sure there's a lot more to get to the soundtrack is fucking great Uh, I've enjoyed that Um, but it comes down to Splatoon and Mario Kart for me Mario Kart I put the most time into probably I spent hours and hours trying to triple star every cup on every difficulty, including 200cc. Because you're sick. <laughs> I'm a bad person, and I hate myself. So I did it. And if it really, I felt very accomplished. We've talked about this on the podcast, but I spent a lot of hours trying to do that. But Splatoon 2, I think I've honestly probably had the most fun with. I, I couldn't even give you a number. I should probably check my Switch. But Well, you're looking at this list and going, which is your favorite? Yeah. But it's got to be the best family game. That's the caveat. I think based on that purely less about talking about kids, but talking about like my parents. Okay. I would say if I held up every single game cover, 
to an older individual and said, hey, do you want to play this with me? I think Mario Kart is the only one that people are like, oh, yeah, I played that on the Wii. Okay. So I think that's just the most easily accessible family type game. Yeah. I think my official vote is going to be Splatoon 2. Ah, man. I love Splatoon 2 the most on this list, I think. But best family game and taking into consideration the multiplayer aspect. Yeah, it's Mario Kart 8 for me. But I think Splatoon 2 is going to win this category. Despite it having been a port. It's either that or or Mario. I don't think Mario Kart is going to be able to hold a candle to any of these. Just because it's literally a port. uh, Even in, in, in... description my vote is also mario kart but i think you might be wrong about the voter fatigue i think more people are going to be like just so stoked on odyssey that i think this category might be taken by odyssey okay so is that your official yeah official i think vote? that's my okay that's well, that's my that's my prediction all right well i would vote for mario kart let's uh let's move on to the next one here best strategy game which is best game focused on real-time or turn-based strategy gameplay irrespective of platform we got xcom 2 war of the chosen which I'm assuming is a DLC pack for XCOM 2. Yeah, it's like an expansion. Yeah. Tooth and Nail, which is a Pocket Watch Games production. Never heard of it. Nor have I. Total War, Warhammer 2. Heard good things. Yeah. Sega published. Wow. Wow. Halo Wars 2 and Mario Rabbids again. This is kind of a tough one, mostly because I don't play a lot of strategy games. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that Fire Emblem... Shadows of Lentia yeah, <laughs> didn't w- make it on What's here. up with that, man? Or Fire Emblem Heroes. Pfft. Bullshit. Uh, I think it's between XCOM and Mario plus Rabbids. Yeah. I don't think anyone really cared that Halo, War 2's, Halo Wars 2 came out. No. I, I didn't even know it came out. Warhammer, maybe. But I think just as far as what more people know, it's XCOM or Mario. This is the year of Nintendo, baby. My official and my personal pick is going to Mario Rabbids. Actually, that's a Ubisoft game. Well, okay. All right. <laughs> this has been the Cons Crusade Podcast, everybody. We'll see you next time. Actually. <laughs> well, what about you? What do you think? Based purely on the fact that's the only one on the list I've played, I would say Mario Plus Rabbids. And I think that's going to be the case for a lot of the people voting as well. Right. Or I know it's possible that you can skip out on a vote if you they encourage uh, judges and outlets to not vote in categories that they're not experienced enough in. Okay. So I think that might be the case in something like this. So you're going to be seeing a lot more of the PC gaming crowd kind of rally around like Total War Warhammer. I have a feeling that most judges or most voters are going to look at this and they're not going to take that advice and they're going to vote for something and they're just going to vote for what they know the best, which I think gives Mario the best chance of winning. They're going to look at it and just say, oh, Mario. Looking into the metagame. It's, it's, uh, it's a bold move, Cotton. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to the best sports slash racing game. Uh, a... a, a fucking category now that I was care about so it's best traditional and non-traditional sports and racing game no Mario Kart 8 what the hell we got Project Cars 2 we got yeah seriously (laughs) we got Pro Evolution Soccer no arms that's boxing (laughs) NBA 2K18 GT Sport Forza Motorsport 7 and FIFA 18 who fucking gives a shit my personal pick is 2K18 but I have a feeling it's going to be one of the racing games take your fucking pick yeah it's probably going to be like Project Cars yeah whatever (laughs) <laughs> just because there was there was too many people that were unhappy with Gran Turismo and Forza. Yeah, people still buy Pez every year. I don't know if anyone's like on the rooftop shouting its its merits. 2K18 had the VC kind of a debacle, which has been, you know, best microtransaction of 20, 2017. Right. They didn't win it. FIFA, I mean, I don't know. They had to get the same shit with their career mode or whatever they call it with their online. Yeah. So, I don't know. Probably Project Cars. I haven't played any of these games, so I have no merit in even commenting. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Best multiplayer for outstanding online multiplayer game and design, including uh, gameplay and design, including co-op and massively multiplayer experiences, irrespective of game genre. Okay, we've got Fortnite, Call of Duty, World War Two, Splatoon Two, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, Destiny Two, and PUBG. It's gonna be PUBG, hundred percent, without a doubt. Yeah, it's going to PUBG. My personal pick, Splatoon Two. We talked about this. Why not Destiny Two? Uh, no, nah, I haven't played enough of it. I love me some Destiny, but uh, uh, Splatoon Two is my multiplayer game of twenty seventeen. What would you vote for if, 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 you know, what was your favorite experience? The two games on this list I've yeah. played. Splatoon. Hell yeah. I played Mario Kart Online. Not very much. It's still a fun thing to do. Don't get me wrong. It's very easy pick up and play kind of experience. Yeah. But Mario Kart for me is more of a local multiplayer kind of, which is still multiplayer. But I think of it, all these are online multiplayer games. So I'm kind of thinking about it in that in that lens. Right. Next category here. This is a uh, this is a fun one. This is a stupid category. Most anticipated <laughs> game presented by Mick Cafe. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is the rest of these uh, games are or these uh, nominations are you and I can vote on these, and that's who gets the winner. Oh, really? Yeah, these aren't like panel voted. Okay. These are uh, audience. So, voters. without a doubt, then Last of Us Part Two is going to win. It's Last of Us Part 2, Red Dead Redemption 2, Monster Hunter World, Marvel, Spider-Man, and God of War. Monster Hunter might have a chance. I think Red Dead takes it. That's right around the corner. You think that people are going to actually vote for that? Well, Monster Hunter comes out in like January. That's literally right around the corner. Red Dead isn't coming out until spring. And also, it's going to be a multi-platform launch. So we actually have people who have Xboxes who are like, I want to get that game too. As opposed to which Sony exclusive do you want the most? Right. Well, fucking Xbox, Microsoft not doing any exclusives. Those chuckleheads. Takes a long time to turn that ship. Phil Spencer's only been there for a few years. I don't think there are enough people. I mean, Phil Spencer's the one who said we're done focusing on console exclusives. You know, that's that's not old news. That was the most recent thing he said. More recently, he was talking about acquiring studios and getting more exclusive experiences. Okay, well. So you're you're laboring under false pretenses, my my good. Not chum. false pretenses, but but certainly old news. It seems old information, yeah. <laughs> fake news, fake news. <laughs> Red Dead, I guess, has a good chance because there are more people technically who have access to it. But I don't think there are enough people voting. They're going to be like of all the games on the list. I think Red Dead easily takes really? it. Really? Yeah. I think Rockstar hasn't made a game in six years. <laughs> well, I think just based on they're, the, they're ready to see what that is. Let's we'll see. Based on the hype surrounding any of these games. I think Monster Hunter has a chance if... Monster Hunter has no chance. Think about... I mean, that game, that's a game that, you know, sells tens of millions of copies in, you know, uh, uh, foreign in markets. Yeah, but I'm saying depends on who's voting for this, right? I don't know what the voter base looks like. I'm assuming the Game Awards is mostly a Western audience kind of thing. I don't know if it's being simulcasted and, like, dubbed over and all that kind of shit. So Nick's got Red Dead Redemption 2 for most anticipated. I'm going... My official vote is Last of Us 2, but I am looking forward most to Marvel Spider-Man. Without a doubt. Yeah, Spider-Man looks really good. I'm probably looking forward most to Monster Hunter. Okay. Have you played any of the other Monster Hunter games? I played three Ultimate for like 15 minutes. Okay, on the... On your Wii U. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so... But I don't know. I, I just got a PS4. I feel like a few of the homies are going to be picking that up, and that's definitely a multiplayer game. So that seems like a cool kind of first experience for me. I honestly haven't considered that, but if I can... If you and I can roll around together killing monsters... Like, I think I'll definitely pick this up. 100%. Hell yeah. Cool. Next one. This is a tough category. Trending gamer. Uh, I am not on trending gamer quite yet. I'm on best independent game according to the official Game Awards list, my friend. Uh, well, that was way up 
earlier because that's not a that's not a community voted one. Oh, did they separate the community voted ones when you're okay? Yeah, the community voted ones are all the all these later ones. Well, because there's best indie game, there's also best debut indie game. Okay. Well, uh, best indie game for outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside of the traditional publisher system. The description's a little more vague than maybe you think. Outside of the traditional publishing system. Okay. We've got Pyre. Well, I mean, I mean, got Cuphead on this list, and that was supported by Microsoft. Exactly. So that's why I'm kind of like... Like, they didn't publish the game, but they paid them for exclusivity for a undisclosed amount of time. Right, and then use their marketing power to to boost the shit out of this. So anyway, we've got Pyre, Night in the Woods, Cuphead, What Remains of Edith Finch, and Hellblade. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know enough about any of these games. We talked quite a bit about Edith Finch and Hellblade. Cuphead's probably is what stands out the most. Cup, uh, Cuphead or Hellblade. Yeah. So I'm going to go Cuphead on this one. I think Hellblade just because of the fact that it's multi-plat. Okay. And it's a true indie. But if you look at it, it doesn't look like it. Like a oh, this is a definitely an indie game, so I think it kind of it's notable in that respect. Maybe a dark horse contender in Pyre. A lot of people really liked Pyre. I've never liked any super giant games, so I don't know if I would like this one for a change. But I heard a lot of people a lot of people liking the kind of conceit behind that game. Very interesting art style. Uh, next category is best student game awarded the best student project created at the high school or college level. So here are a bunch of games oh none of us has ever heard of. Okay, I'm ju- judging purely on the name. And thumbnail? No, I don't have any thumbnails. Okay, uh, all right. We got just purely the name. Okay. Meaning, Level Squared, Impulsion, Falling Sky, Hollowed, and From Light. Let's see. Falling Sky is a bad name. From Light is a bad name. Hollowed is a bad name. Impulsion's a pretty good name. Level Squared's kind of cute. And Meaning is the worst name. So, I'm going to go with Impulsion. You know, that's where my mind was going. I actually like... <laughs> I like From Light, to be honest with you. Falling Sky is cheesy as they come. Hollowed is fine. From Light. Meaning is a little, you know, this this is a this is a John, Jonathan Blow kind of up and coming, you know, pretentious douchebag. Meaning. Okay. Also, which of these uh, games is most likely to be a gent band? <laughs> Impulsion. I don't know, dude. Hollowed sounds like some like, cool like, deathcore gent. Mm, Maybe. Tight. I mean, Falling Sky, Hollowed, From Light. From Light is definitely like the singier kind of ones that want to have girls listen to them. Yeah. Same with Falling Sky. Definitely. Meaning is instrumental. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I'm going Impulsion on this one. It looks kind of like a weird portal thing. You got guns and yeah, it looks like portal to me. Trending Gamer. For a streamer, influencer, or media member who has made an important impact on the industry this calendar year. Let me tell you something about, I don't know any of these fuckers. I know all of them. Well, I don't know Shroud. That's the one I don't know. Okay, we've got Steven Spohn, Mike Gerschizik, uh Guy Beam, Clint Lexa, and Andrea Renee. Okay, this is, I know the Guy Beam guy, this little character he does, I saw him on, I think, H3, H3 maybe. Dr. Disrespect, yeah, he streams a lot of PUBG. Yeah. That's that's what I know him for. Funny enough fella, I guess. Okay, can I be a, a total dickhead here? Maybe I'm not being a dickhead. I think if you want to talk pandering, this is this is a... An audience award thing though, so it's like it's either gonna go to the disabled guy who who is involved with able gamers, or it's gonna go to the hot chick, right? Like those are the two options. Although PUBG is huge, so maybe this fucking Doctor Disrespect, maybe he he takes it. I don't fucking know though. I think it goes more for the whoever's campaigning the most. Call to action. I mean, that's how you get people winning. So it comes down to to Doctor Disrespect and. Andrea Renee, because she's being backed by the kind of funny guys. Yeah. So, and I think it's going to be Andrea Renee based on 
they have like daily streams and each each because you can vote once a day so every day they're telling people go vote whereas if you just browse through dr disrespect's twitter feed you don't see anything about that fair enough special shout out though for both steven spawn for all he does and also clint lexa half coordinated he's he has one hand and he does uh speed runs he's at agdq and sgdq oh wow seems like a really cool guy he talks to developers specifically to be like, give them advice on how to make their game more approachable for people with disabilities. That's, that's really cool. When I was in fifth grade, my best friend at the time, Jacob Fraley, he had a stroke in fifth grade and he lost most mobility uh, of his left side. And I remember when he got out of the hospital and, and made it home. He was a huge gamer. We played tons of games together. I'd go over to his house, and he always had... You know, him and his older brothers always had the cool games that my my parents wouldn't let me play, you know? Right, right. And it always the multiplayer games because they had uh, four or five kids, I think, in the family. Five kids. So after he had a stroke and he couldn't use his, his left hand anymore, I shit you not, he would still kick my ass at video games using using one hand. He He would basically use the thumb and the pinky... For for most of it, you know, one thumb on the on the joystick and a pinky hitting the buttons, you know, and he'd contort accordingly for for the rest of the face buttons or for the shoulder uh, shoulder buttons, like Smash Bros. Uh, shooters, like I remember playing Perfect Dark over at their house. Mm. Uh, so it, that always, when I see stuff like that, it always reminds me of my buddy Jacob back in the day and and how he still whooped my ass with one fucking hand. Right. It's just it's just a, a really cool thing, getting a personal story. Yeah. And how someone interacts with the game differently than other people do. So that's just kind of a that's a, a cool thing. Yeah, it's when you see the stories about like the blind guy who who runs Legend of Zelda or something, right? Right, right. Very, yeah. very cool stuff to see in the you know video games. Because you know I I've thought about this before. Like, what happens if I lost a limb, or what happens if I went blind, right? And there's so many things we take for granted as like relatively healthy people without any disabilities, right? We we don't think how that sort of thing might might impact. Our hobbies, a life-changing event can occur at any moment, but you never, at least for me, I, I never really thought about that. And one day I was just like, can you imagine losing a hand? And you know, I, have you seen the gamer who, I wish I, I remembered his name, but I think he's got literally no limbs and he's a competitive mm-hmm. like league player or something. And he had this whole custom setup and it's just like, yeah, it's, that's really cool that, you know, how video games can not only be like common grand for people, but that they, they can be so impactful and so beloved that like people with, fucking no hands can still find a way to enjoy them. Like if you're suffering from a disability like that, the least of your worries is having a hobby that works for you, but it also, the small things add up a hundred percent. So it's cool to, to have that capability kind of given back to you. And it's good that there's a little more awareness for this and that developers are taking this into consideration when they're not only when they're designing their own controls for a game, but also implementing uh, control customization, which a lot of games still don't have extensive remapping capabilities. Right. Or even small things like colorblind mode. Right. Definitely. Like this is something that most people probably take for granted, but it's like, hey, can we play the game too? Right. <laughs> so. Well, let's move on here. Best esports game. Oh boy. I have a lot of opinions on this one. Uh, this is tough. He said not sarcastically. Right? <laughs> this is tough just because it's it's the biggest fucking games in the world right now. League. Yeah. Rocket League. Dota 2, Counter-Strike, and Overwatch. It's the biggest fucking game on the face of the planet. Where's Hearthstone? I don't know, man. My personal vote's Rocket League. Uh, I think Overwatch probably wins. Yeah, especially since they've had kind of new developments as far as eSport League kind of 
kind of things from Blizzard, right. you know, from on high. So I think that kind of that contributes to it. Dota two is always really big. I think League is bigger than Dota. Counter Strike's always big. <sighs> yeah, they're all just big games. Is this a community? This is not a community voted. I'm not sure. I think esports player is, but I don't know if esports game is a community vote. Well, I, I choose Rocket League any day of the week. I've put over 300 hours into that game, 350 hours or something. Uh, absolutely love it. But I think Overwatch probably wins. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Best esports player presented by Omen by HP. Oh, God. I don't know any of these Neither people. Neither do I, and I can't pronounce any of their names. So I was going to say I'm going to skip it, but I want to try and pronounce their names. Kuro, oh, Kurokai. Oh, don't. No, Hold please on. don't. I have to. Nick, I have to do it. I got to give the people what they want. Oh, my. All right. Oh, my God. No one wants this. <laughs> Let me try not to be offensive here. We got. Kuro, Kuro Sky, Selehi, Takasomi, Dota 2. Uh, we've got, oh boy, this is tough. This is tough. Yihong, Ryu Yihong Ryu, Overwatch, okay. Uh, Nikola Niko Kovac, Counter-Strike. Oh God, <laughs> we've got this guy, Marcelo David, Cold Zero, dude, CSGO. And we've got Lee Sang Hyuk, Faker. League of Legends. I don't fucking know, man. What's the biggest game on this list? Go with the, the guy with tattoos. Let's do that. CSGO guy. Pick the tattoo, man. He looks cool. That Marcelo? Yeah. Although, yeah. It's probably going to be... Honestly, this is a community voted award. It's going to be probably Overwatch or League guy. It's going to be one of the Asian guys. I'm going for I'm going for Kovac because he's in FaZe Clan. And I recognize that team. Fair enough. <laughs> I also recognize Liquid, but I don't care about Dota. I don't care about Counter-Strike, but I like it more than Dota. I'm going to say it's one of the Asian guys. If this is anything like basketball, anything like all-star voting in the NBA, the Asian markets, they're obviously massive. and So I don't know. There's probably nothing like that, but I'm just going to go with one of those guys. You really whittled it down there. Uh, let's let's go with the Overwatch guy. Were you young? Were you? I don't fucking know. Who the best esports team? Who cares? I don't give a shit. Yeah, can we just skip it? I don't even want to read it. Yeah, them. we're going to skip it. <laughs> I'm over it. Another one that it's going to be mm, okay. Let's okay. Let's let's talk about this because you played some of these. Best debut indie game presented by Shik Hydro, recognizing a new independent studio that released its first game in 2017. Very cool. Fan voting. Oh boy, Cuphead's going to win. But yeah, the other games in the category: Slime Rancher, Mr. Shifty, Hollow Knight, Golf Story, and Cuphead. Okay, yeah, Cuphead. It's just it's got the. I mean, obviously the Microsoft. That trained a role in there with the marketing and whatever. and Putting the spotlight on them. Yeah. Golf Story, though. That was really cool. That enjoyed a very brief but sort of pretty strong dose of, of praise and positive reviews. And yeah, it's kind of like a unanimous kind of if you have a Switch and you like indie games at all, you should probably play this. Yeah. Even though indie game isn't a genre, but it's like if you've played one, you kind of have a, a better idea of what you're going into yeah hollow knight i i played it an hour or two of that's a really cool game i'm waiting for it on switch though so i, I can't comment further on later in the game but <laughs> yeah i think it's coming out in like january february it's supposed to be early next year slime rancher is also a uh, pretty cute i haven't played it but i remember seeing the i was like i was watching it on steam i don't know what you what you i was like subscribed to their their updates because they were in early access but i think they're in full release now okay but that seems like a really cool kind of fun time waster kind of game. Yeah, I'm going Cuphead on this one. Like Cuphead's gonna win. But shouts to Golf Story and Hollow Knight. That looked that, that had a really nice aesthetic. 
Mr. Shifty, who's this Terry Bogart looking motherfucker? Mr. Shifty is like uh, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, listening to, but they call the genre a beat 'em shmup. Okay, but it's it's like Hotline Miami, where it's the top down perspective twin stick shooter, but as a character. But the this guy doesn't. I don't know if he ever uses guns, but he has that kind of teleport ability. He does the nightcrawler thing where he bamps from one place to another. This motherfucker doesn't have long blonde hair, but it literally just looks like a Terry Bogard fucking palette swap. <laughs> That's funny. Terry Bogard from the Fatal Fury series. Little SNK shout out. King of fighters, baby. We're all SNK fans here. That's funny. All right. Best Chinese game. We're going to skip that completely. Yeah. Give me my Neo Geo pocket color. Please, baby. <laughs> uh, the last category, though, is best Chinese game. And, 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 uh, oh boy. Okay, that's a jury pick. <laughs> Monument Valley 2 is going to win. Well, it's, it's going to yeah. beat out JX3 HD, Gumballs, Icy, and King of Glory. It's going to be Monument Valley 2. Safe, safe bet. So that's it. That's the entire list, man. That's the, the game awards for 2017. We did it. We pre- predicted them all, yeah. and we're going to be a hundred percent right, no matter what. That's because that's what we do. I'm going to go through and yeah. have to edit this and listen carefully and make make sure I write down all of our picks so that we can follow up with this post game awards. We can talk about who won, whether we agree or disagree, and we can kind of get into some of the things they reveal because there are going to be some reveals. There's going to be some gameplay footage for some cool shit we're looking forward to. Probably nothing as cool as that fucking. Doom Gent Jam we got last year. That was so badass. Like, just bring him back every year. Just give us some fucking metal, dude. Yeah, I don't know what to expect, but I feel like there's probably going to be something. I think Nintendo will have a presence there. I have a feeling they're going to be showing uh, the DLC pack for Zelda there. Okay. Actual content, not fucking... Content and like release date. Map edition. Jesus. Yeah. Hell yeah, I'm excited. This is the 6th, correct, of December? 7th. The 7th of December. Okay. Yeah, it's on the Thursday, and then Friday is the, not real, but it's kind of like the kickoff for PSX. They're doing a little showcase, and then Saturday and Sunday is uh, PSX proper. I'm looking at the voting jury. This is quite the list. I thought it would be individuals, but it's listing companies. Like So IGN is listed, right? Like Who gets the vote from IGN? Everybody? Yeah. That's the thing. Wow. Wow. This is so much broader. So it's it's outlets and then some like YouTube things. Like I think Easy Allies, maybe like one of the Achievement Hunters, those kind of groups. So I'm not going to lie. If I had ugh, if I had looked at this, I may have thought a little bit differently about some of these. Like, let me read just a couple of these. So obviously, you've got the big video game guys. We've got the Giant Bomb. We've got the kind of funny the IGNs, right? But we've got USA Today, Wired. Time, okay, Entertainment Weekly, like, I don't know who from those companies are voting. Do they have a big video game presence, or is it going to be much more casual? Time does uh, video game reporting okay, and reviewing and, like, all that, everything you would expect from a video game journalist website, so. Same with, like, oh, God, like, Venture Beat. They're not really video game stuff, but they, they do sometimes. They kind of dip their toe in there. Right. Depending on what the what the context is. Well, we'll see if that has really any effect. Some of these companies that you wouldn't normally associate with video game coverage. Yeah, it'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, anyway, that is our Game of the Year pod. That was part two. I don't know if I'm going to mash these together yet or if it's going to be two episodes. We haven't been recording for an hour, so I think I'll just mash them together. Mash them. Mash them, baby. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. That is super weird. What is that from? Is that like a children's nursery rhyme? Lord of the Rings. Also creepy. All right, man. This has been the Constant Crusade Podcast. Hit us up on the Twitter at console underscore crusade. 
All right. Get up in our mentions. High energy. <laughs> Power, baby. <laughs> you just turned, is your name Jaden and you just turned Super Saiyan? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Jalen and I am a Super Saiyan. That guy is legendary. I want to meet him. Can we have him on the podcast? Dude, first, uh, first celebrity guest. <laughs> 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 we got a celebrity call in. Oh, that's good. My favorite Super Saiyan. All right, guys, we'll see you. We'll catch you next time. Good job.